Welcome to the Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics. By examining the Word of God, and especially the Book of Acts Church, to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible Study has been created to take a deeper look into their service to the kingdom of God. Our desire has always been to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence. I'm sorry, the world-shaking influence that the early church had. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire of the upper room still burns. If you believe that there's more to your walk with Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, and you want more, then join us on this journey. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we hope that you will, there are ways to do so on the Firefall Talk Radio homepage. We appreciate your support and encouragement. We welcome all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms and hope that you are subscribing to us, following us on social media, and keeping track. If you have a need or desire, please let us know. If you have a praise report or prayer request you'd like us to share, whether on the air or within the porch community, send it to us. Our goal has always been to create a online community of believers that just want more, that don't want religion, don't want the dog and pony show, but want what the early church had. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of the porch. So Father, we just come to you now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. We thank you for how much you love us. We thank you that even when we were unlovable, you made a way for us. Even in our sin, you set us free. We thank you for sending Yeshua, your only begotten Son, to die for us so that we could live for him. And Lord, we can never, ever say thank you enough for what you've done, for what you are doing, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, standing with us, your Holy Spirit guiding us and teaching us. We want whatever it is you want for us this night and every day. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Do whatever it is you want to do. We want this night to be a night of transformation and change, a night of blessing and revelation, enlightenment, empowerment. So we take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Messiah. We claim the mind of Messiah and cast down every vain imagination that would exalt itself above the knowledge of El Elyon our Abba Father. We want you, Lord, to do whatever it is you want to do. We bind the enemy in every way, shape, and form. We bless the technology, and we say, let your spirit flow to us and through us. If you agree, in Yeshua's name, say amen.
lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. Combination of that information, the matter presented is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So get your Bibles open. Tonight we're talking testimony. Testimony is witness or evidence. You know, when you give a testimony, you are witnessing to or giving evidence about what the Lord has done in your life. And I tried to get away from this topic. I'll explain why. You'll see this is a rather sensitive story for me, for us. But I tried. The Lord put it upon my heart because of recent events. I uh, looked at other scriptures. I thought maybe I'll do some more on merciful, being, you know, having mercy, compassion, grace. Um, I looked at old Bible studies. Maybe one of these will work. And none of it clicked. I felt the Spirit on none of it. So I've got to do what the Lord tells me to do. First Chronicles 16 Starting verse 8 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of all his wondrous works. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about his works. Something he's done in our life. But it's always got to line up with scripture. It's got to be backed by scripture inspired by scripture. It doesn't matter what I think. You don't want my opinion. You want my insight or knowledge based upon the word. At least you should. Isaiah 43, starting verse 10, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved. I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. We all have a testimony. We're all called to share it. And glorify him. To make known his deeds among the people. And that's what I want to do tonight. We should always be ready. To let people know why we believe what we believe. First Peter 3.15 But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone. Who asks of you. For a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear. I know why I have hope. I know what the Lord has done for me. And I also know that according to his word, I will confess him before men. Matthew ten thirty two and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny. Before my Father in heaven. Luke 12, 8. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him the Son of Man will also confess before the angels of God. So I am not leaving any doubt that whether it comes to the Father 
Well, the angels of God, they're going to know that I confessed him to you. So let me share you, with you a little bit of my story. I was born at a very early age in Queens, New York. I did that so that I could be close to my mother. It was a good thing, too, for she didn't know that she was pregnant with me. That's right. For seven months, she thought she was having stomach problems and bloating. Little did she know that her stomach problems were me, a baby growing inside of her. She had her periods the entire time, and there was no indication that she was pregnant. And the Lord did that so that I could be born. You see, before me, I had a brother named Joseph. I have an older sister, and in between the two of us, Joseph was born. And when he was born, my mother's RH negative blood was attacking his RH positive blood, and they had to give him a complete blood transfusion. Well, in doing so, the doctor that she had allowed, I don't know how much time, but he allowed, a, a, there was a lapse in between the old blood and the new blood, and it caused brain damage. And he also had jaundice, so they put that jaundice baby inside an incubator, which made him blind. So what you had was a newborn baby that is now brain damaged and blind because of medical malpractice. He took grand mal seizures almost 24-7 for his entire life. And you would think that there was some recourse, but there was none. See, back in the day, doctors did not testify against one another. Nurses did not testify against doctors. If they did, they would not work. So there was a code of silence. Turned out that the doctor my mother had, I wish I could say his name, but he probably has family members, and I don't want to do that, but this is a fact. He, beside being a quack, was selling body parts. Well, when he got caught, he went up to the roof of the hospital and jumped off and committed suicide. That was the doctor who helped bring my brother Joseph into the world. It broke my mother. It broke her mentally, it broke her emotionally, and it broke her physically. She was taking care of Joseph all the time. People would come and give her a break, but it didn't do anything for her. I had a father. Yes, I did have a father. Hopefully I had a father. Yes, I had one, if you could call him that. He was busy at work and busy going out and busy with, busy with his mistresses. So the, my mother took the full brunt of Joseph's life for those 18 months until he died. And he didn't die at home with my mother because she had a breakdown. So they had to put her into a hospital, a medical facility. So my mother dealt with that guilt as well. So for me to be born, the Lord had to trick her into not knowing she was pregnant. But then I'm born. And the same chain of events that hurt Joseph are beginning to happen. I need a complete blood exchange because my mother's blood is now destroying my blood. But this time she has a better doctor. And one of my uncles on my mother's side gave the blood transfusion. And so that's 
the blood that filled my body, which my bone marrow replicates. Yeah, I had jaundice and they put me in an incubator, but because I was not oxygen deprived and because of all the things that um, went well in that regard, I was fine. Came time for my mother to go home, and just like my brother Joseph, they did not want to let her take me home, and my mother acted out, we'll just say that, to the point that they felt the best thing that they could do was to send me home with her. But now you have a woman who thinks she's going to experience the same thing all over again. Thankfully, she didn't. But see, little did I know, little did she know, and I've never been able to explain it to her because when I received the revelation about all these things, she had passed on. But she survived, I survived, her marriage did not. And I guess that's a good thing. It's also a bad thing. Broken marriages and growing up without a father is never good. But in many ways, not having him around during those years might have been best for me. So growing up, I had the knowledge of Joseph. I had the knowledge of everything going on. I had my mother's fear and overprotective nature. Anytime I got sick or a bloody nose from playing too rough or whatever. But for whatever reason, from the day I was born, from the womb, God had a plan for my life. And I always wanted to be a father. I always wanted to have a family. I wanted to be the father that mine never was. I didn't want to follow his standard as a father role model, which wouldn't be difficult considering how low of stature it was. But you know what else wasn't difficult? Repeating the sins of my father. Ancestral, familial sin, iniquity, inbred sin. It's in my programming. It was in my programming. I'm born again. I'm a new creation. But whether through DNA, whether through spiritual things, a little bit of everything, I was going to repeat what he did. Numbers 14, starting verse 17, Moses is interceding for Israel. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy, just as you've forgiven this people from Egypt even till now. See, it's his mercy we count on. I didn't know it, but I was always counting on his mercy. I was always counting on his love for me. See, generational sin is a virus. It spreads, not just throughout the body, but through each member of the family. It is contagious. And the children of those who sin inherit that seed, inherit that virus, inherit that nature. 
and certain sins, and we see it every day. You can't deny it. Certain sins carry an intergenerational consequence. Abuse, addictions, alcoholism, uh, sexual sins, pornography. We see it done, and we do it. We, we don't want to do it. It's not us who does it, but the sin in us. See, free will has a price. Choices have consequences. But here's the one thing we can count on. He desires mercy. He desires grace. He desires redemption. Unfortunately, we choose judgment at times. Until we're set free, we're subject to it. See, Jeremiah 32, starting verse 17 says, Our Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth, but you have a great power and outstretched arms. There is nothing too hard for you. You show loving kindness to thousands and repay the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, you are great in counsel and mighty in work, for your eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, to give to everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. I wish I knew that. I wish I understood that, but I didn't have a, a redeemed mind. If somebody had shared that with me, I would have blown them off. I had generational issues passed down on both sides of my lineage, including what I'm about to share with you. I did not know it at the time. It would be many years later, many years after my salvation, that the Holy Spirit began to reveal it to me. And the thing about Revelation is this. It comes at the right time. It comes when we need it, in the fullness of time. All that I knew is I wanted a family, and I wanted to be the father that I never had. And those were good intentions, but they don't do anything until they become God intentions. So here I am. I'm a New York City Italian. I'm living in New York. I decide when I graduate St. John's University, I'm going to become an actor, even though that's not what I studied in school. And I may have shared this with you, but I had a um, an Italian grandmother. She was from Naples. She was about four foot eleven. And after I graduated, and she came, and we went to had dinner and had a little get together. She looked at me, and in her broken English, she said, oh, "Richard, what are you going to do now?" I said, "Well, I'm going to be an actor, Grandma." And she looked at me and goes, "Yeah, but what are you going to do?" So that that's what it was like. But that's what I was going to do, and so that's what I did. I began to study. I went to uh, a place in Manhattan to study and do plays. And while there, I met my wife, Deb. We met doing a play. She was brought in. The director wanted—it was an all-male cast, and he wanted to add two women to the cast. They would, that would have fit right in today, but maybe the, the topic and the way they were portrayed wouldn't. But the two actresses were brought in. Deb was one of them. And we, we really didn't hit it off. That's kind of an understatement, but we didn't hit it off. I mean, I'm a macho 
New York street of Italian. I'm coming to rehearsals in my Guinea t-shirt, my little Italian flop hat, and strutting down the street and all pumped up from working out. And that was not her thing. But something clicked. And I believe that there was a divine ordained moment happening. And we began to talk. We began to get to know one another. And one night out of the blue, I said, hey, I'm, I'm about to get tickets to a play. Would you like to go? I, and she said, yes. I didn't get the tickets, but we went out. We had dinner. And then we began to date. And we got married. And now I'm on the verge of fulfilling my dream. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to be a father. But the enemy had other plans. Deb got pregnant pretty quick, and we're going to have twins. Twins run in her family. They don't run in mine. So our first pregnancy is going to be twins. And so now I'm I'm excited. Things are going along, and about the seventh month during a checkup, they can't pick up the heartbeat of the twins. It's disappeared. Now, they don't know if something has happened to them or they have shifted in position and muffled them. The technology then isn't what they have today. So we started praying together about that time. This Southern Protestant and New York Italian Catholic. But we start praying. We're asking for miracles. We're praying to the Lord. And one night while we're praying in our apartment in Queens, it was a two-bedroom small apartment. I think it was about 800 square feet. We both felt a presence walk into the room. Now, immediately in our ignorance, we thought it was the Lord because that's who we were talking to. But the abject fear and the shadow in the doorway should have told us otherwise. It wasn't until decades later I found out who that was, and it definitely wasn't the Lord. So now they've decided to induce labor. So we go to the hospital, and there's a hormone called Pitocin that tricks the body into thinking it's going into labor, and the woman has the baby. We were there for three days of Pitocin induction. No babies. But we, at this point, we're holding on to hope and we're praying. We had a uh, tape. I think it was either B.J. Thomas or the Lord's Prayer. It was a gospel tape. I can't remember. And we played it over and over and over. Those three days just believing that by faith and by the music and by crying out to God, it would be okay. But here's what we didn't know and what I didn't know. I just found out today that the hormone Pitocin, Pitocin is dangerous. It has serious side effects, not the least of which is killing the fetus, killing the babies. So if they weren't dead by that point, the three days of this probably finished them. No babies came. But instead of deciding to go in and get them, they said, well, let's go full term. So Deb carried them for two more months. 
She went into labor. We went to the hospital. And she gave birth to stillborn twin boys. In the process, because of a problem with the, her placenta not detaching, she almost bled to death. She almost died. The enemy claimed our sons and almost claimed her that night. And once again, medical mistakes. And for a lot of reasons, there were no, there was no legal recourse. There was nothing we could do in the natural. Just like my mother, just like my brother Joseph, it was happening again. Now you may wonder why. I don't have time to go into it tonight, but there was a spiritual debt that my maternal lineage had to a demonic entity who had come to claim his tribute, as he had done for everybody in our family, everybody in my family, aunts, uncles, cousins, whoever, lost a child. Oh, you could say miscarriages and, and deaths are common. No, it was rather uncommon, the amount that happened. I know the name of the entity. I know why he believed he had that right, but it didn't matter. My desire to be a father was dashed. While they wouldn't allow me to see the boys, I should have demanded it. They did allow me to go in with somebody who was with us to pray, and they hadn't completely covered them. So I saw their hands and their feet, and all I could think of, I still remember the moment as if it was yesterday, was those my sons. And that opened a door. It opened a door to anger. It opened a door to the enemy. And I know I've shared this, but I went home from the hospital once I knew Deb was going to be okay. I went to our apartment in Queens. I flipped on the lights. I locked the door. I looked up towards heaven. And I said, what good was it to pray to you? What good was it to come to you and ask you for a miracle and to help us? And I ranted and raved, and I don't know what my neighbors thought, and I didn't care. And when I was done, I very coldly and matter-of-factly said, now leave me alone. And that door to the enemy swung wide open. And the hook that the enemy had put into my mouth was caught. But rather than reeling me in, he let the line run. He let it run loose to trick me into thinking I wasn't caught. It would be years later before he locked the reel and drove the hook deep into my jaw. You see, you never know what somebody's going through. You never know the whole story. It would be easy to look at our story and blame us for the sin, for sex before marriage, or anything else we might have done. But it doesn't matter. At that moment, they don't need your condemnation. They don't need that. What they need is for you to help them to come into their senses. And escape the snare of the devil because they've been taken captive to his will. 
So we named the twins Joseph after my brother and Jason, which was the name we liked. It's the name my son gave to his son. And they were buried together. But a lot more got buried. A lot more got buried that day. And truthfully, we needed counseling and we needed healing. But that didn't happen. I just stuffed it, flipped off my emotions, and I went back to work. Life begins to go. Sun comes up, sun goes down. We decide to have another child probably too quickly, but it doesn't matter. We got Jesse out of that. The meaning of Jesse in Hebrew is God's gift. That's what he turns out to be. So a year, year or so later, Jesse's born. Now I have it. I have a family. I have a son. But I also have a heart filled with darkness, filled with anger. I have a heart that's been turned off. Oh, I, I loved, but not the way you'd want to be loved. See, someone who's caught up in that darkness, someone who's caught up in anger and the occult, which I was, they turn inward. And in my case, I turned towards the darkness in me. And the occult, the supernatural gifts that had been passed down to me by my maternal lineage are now revived and they go into overdrive. And I'm feeding them. I'm working them. I want them because I want the power that comes from them because I don't want to be powerless. And my heart goes cold to everybody and everything except my desires. Jeremiah 17, starting verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Well, my fruit is rotten. And rotten fruit spreads and it destroys everything around it. An unredeemed heart cannot do right. It wouldn't have mattered had I wanted to do right. And I, and I believe that I did. I mean, I, I'm not satanic. And by the way, I wasn't practicing Satanism or anything of the sort, as some have accused me. No, I'm doing what back then was called white witchcraft. Today, it would be called Wicca. I believed it was good. I believed I'm doing good things. I'm not supporting the devil. I don't want to be with the devil. I don't like the devil. In fact, I'm foolish enough to believe that at some point he and I are going to square off. Well, that that was prophetic, will be prophetically true, but the fact is that wasn't what I was doing. Thinking you're doing Wicca or white magic and not serving Satan is like getting into the same car from two different doors and thinking you're in a different car. You're in the same car and Hasatan is driving. There's nothing good. God forbids it and there's a reason. It's for our good. But I didn't know that. I did what I 
felt was right for me. It wasn't. It wasn't right. Ephesians 4, starting verse 18. Their moral understanding is darkened, and their reasoning is beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God. With no share in it, this is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they become callous and past feeling reckless and have abandoned themselves, a prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their deprived desires may suggest and demand. Strip yourselves of your former nature. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. Oh, I was deluded. I blamed God for the twins. He had nothing to do with that. He couldn't intercede for me. He couldn't stop it from happening. I was willfully deceived. I was going down a road that had been laid out before me, that had little markers, you know, those little arrows that guide you, not realizing the path I was taking was going to take me into a lake of fire, take me away from my family, which I did. I walked out of my family, just like my father did to me. I was repeating the sins of the father. The very thing I hated him for, I did. I'd become what I hated. My mind was sold out to self, and it was sold out to the darkness. During this period of time, I embraced it. I embraced everything that went with it. And this is uh, late 80s, early 90s. The new age is into overdrive. Crystals are everywhere, crystal shops. I had five crystals I carried around with me in my pocket. They were my power stones, and I did things with them. I slept in a bed full of crystals. As I've told you, I practiced astral projection. I sold out to what I thought were my God-given gifts, and they weren't. They weren't from God. They were from the God of this world, but not Almighty God. But you can't minister to somebody like me without understanding spiritual warfare. You can't just Bible thump me. You can't hit me with scripture. Matter of fact, by that point, by the amount of books I was consuming and what I was studying and the time I was spending in this, I had more demonic knowledge than most believers had biblical knowledge. 2 Corinthians 10, starting verse 3, says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Messiah. Taking that mind and every reasoning and every theory and every bit of demonic knowledge 
and pride and arrogance and leading it away from the deception and to the Lord. So I was angry. I had stolen from me what I cherished, what I wanted so badly. And I told the Lord to leave me alone, and I meant it. But he didn't. He didn't leave me alone. He let the enemy think I was theirs. But he still had a plan for me. He was making a way for me, even when there was no way. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't even matter where you think you're going. It only matters what he thinks. If his eye is on you, just like it's on the sparrow, he's watching over you. And he was watching over me. I believe he was allowing events. He was orchestrating things. And the enemy was doing things thinking that it's leading me into service to Hasatan and to the kingdom of darkness. Because I don't know how to say this without sounding arrogant, but I was pretty jacked up. I could do things. Let's just put it that way. And I know that he had a plan for me. My desire was not to be like my father, but I was. And I couldn't do anything about it. Oh, I didn't realize till many years later. I didn't realize that until just before I got saved that I'd become my father. That I'd walked out on my son almost to the age and day that my father walked out on me. It took the love of a heavenly father to redeem me and to restore what the enemy had done. See, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, after I'd walked out of my family, after I'd just left, and Deb and Jesse moved down to Tallahassee, where our brother John was, where I met Pastor Shelley. Not too long after, she called me up and said, "I'm, you know, you better sit down. I'm pregnant." And I may have shared this with you. I don't know, but I said, "So what? Do what you have to do," which the translation of that was get an abortion. And I said this: I have a son. I have what every Italian wants, a firstborn son. I don't care what you do. And I remember hanging up the phone. I was at my mother's at the time. And turning around, and my mother was standing there. Now, my grandmother was 4 foot 11. My mother was about 5 feet. And having a look at me, she was staring at me. And she said, who are you? I don't know you. You're not my son. See, by then I was so far gone into the darkness, she didn't recognize me. But I meant it. But Deb wasn't going to do that. She was not going to give up on that pregnancy. And she was not going to give up on our marriage. See, I tried to, like many men do, I tried to manipulate her into divorcing me so that I wouldn't be the bad guy. But she wouldn't do that. Even when she got to Christian Heritage and they tried to set her up with other people and told her to divorce me and to move on with her life, she wouldn't do that. I believe that was the Lord. I believe that was him keeping his hook so that he could catch me. 
Don't give up. Don't give up on people. Just because it looks like they're completely possessed or demonically influenced or oppressed or whatever you want to call it. Don't give up until the Lord says, let go. If he doesn't say, let go, don't. I would have let go. But to her credit, she didn't. You see, she went through all of this too. She lost those twins. She went through the pain. She went through the trauma of carrying them for nine months. Never getting ministered to. Never getting counseled. No one suggesting counseling. Our solution to that and the pain was to get pregnant again. But the Lord was the solution. Psalm 119, 88, Revive me according to your loving kindness, so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. And if you've read the, the book, The Supernatural Battle, you've heard me, you know that over a period of a couple of years of people interceding and praying and me going back and forth to Tallahassee, Pastor Shella, Shelley ministering to me and befriending me, I got saved on October 9, 1988. Uh, the next April, I went through deliverance, got delivered, got filled with the Spirit. Eventually, would move to Tallahassee and accept my calling to the Lord, which was less than, which was about ten years from the time we lost the twins. But the enemy meant for bad; God used for good. But I've never forgotten them. I've never forgotten the experience. I've never hesitated to want to share it, but recent events have dredged up the pain. It still hurts. It will always hurt. In you, O oh Lord, I put my trust. Never let me be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily, be a, my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they've secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. O the enemy laid a trap for me. An ancestral trap. It took its tribute. But see, the Lord restored the two boys stolen from us. Jesse and Chris, though, five years difference in age when they were really young. People would say that. When you see the pictures of them as babies and how they acted... Lord gave us the twins back. You see, healing comes in his timing, comes in his way. See, I know that we will see Joseph and Jason again someday. I know that we have four sons, two here that we are proud of and love, to in paradise with the Lord. And when I see them, I will know them. 
So why am I telling you this? Beside the fact the Lord told me to. I didn't want to. Maybe there's somebody out there that needs to hear it. Maybe I need to hear it. Maybe this is just for me. But here's what I want you to know. God can turn a mess into a message. He can turn a test into a testimony. A trial into triumph. And being a victim into being victorious. We were victimized. I was victimized. I was taken advantage of. I was used. Believe me. I bet looking back, the enemy probably wishes he had not done that. But it's become part of my testimony. D.L. Moody said, where one man reads the Bible, a hundred read you and me. See, we're walking, talking, living witnesses to the reality of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, to the reality of a living God, a loving God, who makes a way when there seems to be no way. That in the midst of pain and, and, and all that went with it from the repetition of the medical malpractice and, and, oh my goodness, the darkness and the pain of it, he was always there. So that's why I live by Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, now I want to be a different kind of father. I want to be like my heavenly father. And lately that prayer, even at my age, at this point, has become even stronger. Make me better. Make me a better person, better husband, a better father, a better, a better everything. Because as you get older, you start to realize what's really important, what deserves your time and what doesn't. Used to be a book and there was a big uh, merchandising, don't sweat the small stuff. Well, it's easier said than done because life's filled with small stuff. You can be buried under small stuff. I'm trying to learn to relax under the small stuff because he can't use me unless I do. See, when Joseph saw his brothers again and they had sold him into slavery, now they're standing before him and he's the regent of Egypt. He's just one down from the Pharaoh. And they're hungry and they need a place to live. And they're embarrassed, and they're apologizing. This is in Genesis 50, verse 20. He looks at them with compassion and love and says, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Without God allowing what happened to Joseph, he wouldn't have been where he was, to prepare for the famine so that his brothers and his father and his family could survive and to do what they did. So I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know, I don't know what God is allowing to happen. 
but he's making a way for something better. He's making a way so that you will someday look back at that moment. You'll look back on the event. You'll look back on the time. And remembering it hurt, remembering all that went with it, you'll realize why he allowed it, why he couldn't intervene. But that what Hasatan and the fallen and their demonic offspring meant to be good for them is good for you and for the kingdom. So wherever you are right now in your walk, whatever's happening in your life, trust God. You know, Paul says in Philippians, but what things were gained to me, I've counted loss from Messiah. I walked away. I walked away from the acting. I walked away from New York. I walked away from my family in New York. And I followed the leading of the Lord back to my family, into ministry, into where I am. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today with you. Paul goes on and says, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Messiah Yeshua my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may may gain Messiah, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Messiah, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means... I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I don't have complete clarity on all these things. All these years later, he still gives me revelation. He still tells me things. He still shows me, and I go, how did I not see that? But the only thing I need to know is Yeshua and him crucified. The loss of the twins set forth the dominoes that would bring me to the place where I would have to choose life or choose death. I would have to choose light or I'd have to choose darkness. It would set me on a collision course with the living God and a risen Savior to where I was going to have to decide And choose whom this day I would serve. Now remember way back when, when I was doing the occult and I was buying the books on witchcraft, I never wanted to serve Satan. Matter of fact, I wanted to get it on with him. I wanted to to rock and roll with him, as I said. And I, I, I know I've shared this and I shared in my book that the man I was buying my books on witchcraft from in a building not too far from my high school was getting a little unnerved by the amount of books I was buying and consuming and the things I was doing. And he said to me, oh, no, no, you're moving way too fast. You're going to slide over into black magic. And I looked at him. Somebody later on told me I was prophesying. I said, sir, I will never serve Satan. In fact, come Armageddon, I'm going to be on the front line against him. Needless to say, Satan did not like that. I got visited that night and... uh, It's a story for another time. But the point is, when it came time to choose life, I wanted life. 
When it came time to choose family, I wanted family. When it came time to choose being a father, born again, delivered, redeemed, filled with the love of the Father, I chose that. Choose. Choose this day whom you serve. Don't don't be fooled. See, like I said, where all this started, we all have a testimony. We all have a story to tell. We all have something to show to the world the reality of who Jesus is. I pray that whoever this was for, I pray that this blesses you or has blessed you. I pray that you've heard something that will give you the strength to keep going, to not give up, to not think it's all lost, and that you've been crushed beyond repair. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names, I want to testify. I want to testify that you're an awesome dad. You're an awesome Abba. Your love is amazing. Your grace is amazing. Your sacrifice for me and for us is amazing. Lord, thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for never giving up on me. Thank you for restoring what the enemy did. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which helps me even now through the pain and the loss and those feelings that have been dredged up again. Minister to your children. Right now, speak to whoever that person is that this message was for and let them hear your voice. Let them know that they know that they know that they know that you're in it with them, that they're not alone. That what the enemy meant for bad, you will use for good, for your glory. That you're sending healing. That you're covering them with your wings. That your angels are ministering to them. And that they can see that you've taken their mess and you've given them a message. You've taken the test and you've given them a testimony. You've taken the trial to triumph. And they're no longer a victim, but they're now victorious. More than conquerors through you who love them. Let us be what you need us to be. Let us do what you need us to do in the closing ticks of the clock. As we get closer to closer and closer to seeing you face to face. Let's go tear down the work of the enemy. Let's go set the captives free. let's do what you need us to do. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, lift up his countenance upon you and give 
you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.